guys, welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. I'm Dr. Deepan Carr. Hi, I'm Dr. Bravinder Rindava. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. Today, we're talking with new grad optometrist, Dr. Diana Nguyen, who recently graduated from the University of Waterloo. We connected with Diana back in March or April at the beginning of the COVID quarantine, as herself and her three other colleagues, Dr. Maharaj, Dr. Vafai, and Dr. Kamra, created the Learning During Quarantine online webinars, which we absolutely loved. So today we want to share our interview with Diana to talk about how she's living her best new grad life, working in specialty areas of optometry, including dry eye and myopia control. She's also making an online presence, not just in the world of healthcare professionals, but for her patients as well, by contributing to an online blog and Facebook group where patients can obtain resources for dry eye and share their experiences to help each other learn more about their condition. We also want to let all of our listeners know that the Canadian Dry Eye Summit live virtual conference is happening this week, November 14th to the 15th. There's still time to register online, so visit dryeyesummit.ca and click that register button to learn more about implementing dry eye therapies into your practice and to hear from well-known ODs and MDs, including Dr. Maharaj, Dr. Perriman, Dr. Cyan, Dr. Miranda, Dr. Lasby, just a lot of amazing content and knowledge to have from these doctors and others if you're really interested in dry eye management. So make sure you don't miss out. Diana, uh, for any of our listeners who don't know who you are, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So I was born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, and I did my undergrad in biochemistry at McMaster University, and then I went to Waterloo to complete my optometry degree. Uh, currently, I worked in I work in Brampton at Eye Labs, uh, which is a more medical and specialized optometry clinic, and I also work in Oakville at Glen Abbey Vision Center, which is more primary care, but we are looking to add more specialties like dry eye and myopia control, which I'll speak on to later. And then outside of clinic, I really like to work on my creative side. So I create content, content for patients on mydryeye.ca and I create blog posts. I moderate a Facebook group that only has dry eye patients in it. Um, and I create infographs on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm also on the planning committee for the Canadian Dry Eye Summit, which is happening this weekend, November 14th to the 15th. So we have lots of amazing speakers that have been on your pod- podcast, like uh, Laura Pyramin, Andrea Lasby, and uh, Harpeer Sayan. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Maharaj, don't forget about him. Oh yeah, him, right? <laughs> don't forget about the most important one. He's listening right now like, God damn, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that's amazing. I mean, as a new grad optometrist, you are already putting your hands into so many different pots. Like you are just everywhere, especially in that dry eye world. Um, And it's really nice to see that you're developing groups, just not for um, ODs to be a part of, but the patients. Because, um, yeah, those dry eye patients go through a lot. So it's nice to just have a community of patients going through similar things so they can ask everyone kind of the same, you know, uh, struggles that they're going through. 
Um, yeah, sure. It's important for these patients to get help oh, and yeah. get the support they need. Yeah. Um, so what attracted you to the dry eye world of optometry as a student? And what did you do as a student to get more exposure to dry eye management and therapy? Well, when I was in optometry school, just like you guys, I'm sure you had a lot of questions from family and friends like, I'm so blind without my glasses or my entire family had cataract surgery, which is like the most common thing ever. <laughs> and um, with dry eyes, though, I found that a lot of people were saying, oh, yeah, all my all the doctors told me to do was just to use drops. But I feel I feel the same or maybe even worse. And at that point, I was like, there must be a gap somewhere between the doctor and the patient because um, the dry eyes weren't managed properly. And I found that it was a really common concern, which it is because about 25 to 30% of Canadians suffer from dry eyes. It's probably gonna increase because of mass associated dry eyes and more increased digital screen time. So as a second year student, I volunteered at the first Canadian Dry Eye Summit back in 2018. And I was just blown away by the learning from renowned dry eye doctors like Richard Maharaj. <laughs> and then I learned about intense pulse light, you know, IPL and dry eyes for the first time. And I didn't learn any of this in lecture. So and now fast forward two years later, you can see that the eye care industry is leaning towards all of this uh, IPL, radio frequency, RF, and um, just it's become more innovative. Um, for dry therapy other than just drops and booter mask and all of that um, yeah. and the conference had a lot of great hands-on workshops and I was exposed to all of these dry treatments so if you're a student listening to this I would strongly encourage you to sign up for the conference if you're interested in dry eyes because you're going to get the top of the the line dry eye knowledge and there's also student fee which is a plus <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then I had the opportunity to intern uh, at an at a advanced dry clinic with Richard Maharaj. So lots of one-on-one -on -one, uh, training in addition to learning outside a clinic. Mm -hmm. So if you're a student that gets a chance to intern at a specialty clinic, whether it be dry eyes, vision therapy, um, contact lenses, I'd say go for it because you're going to get so much exposure that's going to be in your advantage later on when you're graduated. And Emery, I'm sure you can like shine on light onto that because uh, you did your residency in uh, vision therapy and B OED. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I was going to um, just emphasize what you mentioned that there's so much more to learn even after school. And we think that optometry school is literally everything about yeah. optometry because it's so much material. Mm -hmm. But then when you get out in the real world, there's so many products that you've never seen before, just different ways to even treat the, the same condition. So there's just so much more to know. Okay. So Diana, I know that you kind of talked about this um, in your intro a little bit, but tell us more about the dry eye blog that you currently manage. What made you decide to take over the blog and where do you get your ideas for the content you create? Yeah. So I work with mydryeye.ca and um, this website helps patients find uh, dry eye doctors. And I created my dry eye space, which is a space for dry eye patients to get education about the latest in dry eye care. And it's also a great uh, community for patients because, as you know, dry eyes can be debilitating. And these patient, patients just want a place to chat and get support from each other because they want to know that they're not the only ones suffering from this. Um, and then I get my content from the my dry eye team, uh, you know, day to day clinic. When patients ask me questions, I'm like, oh, that's a great that's a great way to start 
out because if they're asking all the same questions over and over again, I'm like, why not create something where everyone can read at the same time? Um, and my drive space, uh, it's on various platforms like Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, and then I create the quick educational cartoons on, on Instagram and I moderate the Facebook page as well. And then on this Facebook group, patients actually ask questions about the dry eyes. And then I'm here to give them accurate information, not fake news, <laughs> like, you mm -hmm. know, Dr. Google or a random Reddit page. So patients even post pictures about their eyes and they're like, what do I do about this? So I always try to give them um, my answer. But then at the end of um, the day, I, I tell them, you need to go back to your optometrist to get a definitive diagnosis because you can't diagnose things off the internet. Mm -hmm. You got, you got to see your doctor, right? Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's such an awesome thing to have a forum for patients to yeah. be like, what is true and what's false? Yeah, I like that's so awesome. For sure. Like dry patients, they, they're very anxious. So I even had a question yeah. where a patient was like, I feel like I'm going to go blind from dry eyes. And I was like, no, you, yeah. you know, that's like, that's not going to happen. Or you just have to keep reassuring them because they're reading all these things on the internet and they get scared and, yeah. you know. P patients are like that in general, not just dry patients. Yeah. 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 Well, and also yeah. I feel like when you're having a discussion with the patient, they probably remember about 30% of what you say. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of things they don't remember. And so if they could go to a resource and actually be able to read it later is very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Definitely. No, that's awesome. Um, and what is your favorite part about working in a dry eye specialty clinic? So my favorite part is making a difference in these, in these patients' lives by improving their quality of life. Some patients are able to read again or do more than one hour of work. And I think that has to be my favorite part because I can hear my patients telling me that their dry symptoms have been reduced and they feel a lot better. I also love having all the tools and gadgets under one roof. We carry all the dry drops, ointments, lid wipes, in addition to mybography, Lipoflow, IPL, RF, and we have experience working with autologous serum and Procara. And I'm also learning to fit scleral lenses as a treatment option for patients with uh, advanced dry eyes. That's why I'm going to be a patient there soon. Yeah. <laughs> Amber needs to come and see you right away. <laughs> I really do. And Diana, what is the most challenging part about working in a dry eye specialty clinic as a new grad optometrist? Yeah, so if I had to choose one thing, it would probably be speaking to patients about compliance. So after the dry treatments, they, they think their dry dries are cured or they feel a lot better. But as you guys already know, dry eyes is a chronic condition. So you need to continue doing the dry regimen Otherwise, you can go backwards. So I have to handhold them a lot and just reiterate that you need to take these drops and continue your at-home maintenance, continue to use everything that we prescribe. Otherwise, you may go backwards and your dries may be back to square one. So I think that's the most difficult part. It's yeah, I think that's working with Dr. Maharaj is the most <laughs> <difficult> <laughs> Say that again. You know, you know that one on, uh, on Instagram, it's like... Uh, telling your patient to use warm compress and like eye drops and like the patient throws away <laughs> stuff. That's exactly how I feel sometimes. Like patients <laughs> don't listen. Yeah. You, you need to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll say, I, think, I have never heard you talk about this yeah. yet. It's over the last four oh, years. Oh documented. I'm like, well, let's try one more time. <laughs> or what? I have dry eyes. You never told me this. Yeah. yeah. That's why I feel and, like the handouts are always the best yes. because 
Like yeah. Alex mentioned, you say it a billion times, but if you can give them something to go home with, they'll remember that for the yeah, long Yeah, time. and we do that as well. We, we give them a whole um, list of what to do at home and what we diagnose them as so that they can go home and see, oh yeah, this is what I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they just don't make stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I feel like every optometrist, whether new or seasoned, deals with the, oh, I never heard about this this information. When did you tell me this? And it's like, uh, like a month ago when you came here last, you know? So it's yeah, like, and it's not just every- dry eyes. It's just like regular patients, glaucoma mm-hmm. patients. They don't take their dry eye drops. Oh, I'm supposed to be taking those drops or yeah. IOP drops. Or they think it's dry eye drops yet. It's oh, IOP yeah. Yeah. drops. There's like, that- <laughs> um, you know what they need? They need, um, the vision therapy homework sheets that we give mm-hmm. them like every week. This is what you do. That spells it out for them. Okay. You need your dry eye therapy homework sheet for them, basically. But that's true. Like, if you provide all that work for them, and if they could just check something off, they feel, like, accomplished. And they're like, oh, I took my drops today. Done. I'll like that. But That's true. So you're now the newest optometrist working at iLabs. Woo, congratulations for that. Thank you. Um, so, and it's a clinic that offers dry eye specialty services, as we already talked about. So what is your role in the clinic and what specialty services are you offering as a new grad? And I know you kind of talked about it, but if you can go into more detail about exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So I work in primary care. So I do routine checkups, diabetic checkups, kids, but I also specialize in dry eyes, specialty contact lenses, and myopia control. So the specialty contact lenses can be split up between dry eyes and myopia control because ortho-K can be done with myopia control and the scleral lenses can be done with uh, dry eyes. So I'm tackling all those roles um, at iLabs and my other clinic as well. Wow. How are you keeping up with the information for, you know, all of these different services um, now that you're out of school? I think I just learned a lot while I was in school. So all the knowledge is still there and all of this knowledge is pretty up to date or they started teaching us myopia control when I was in third year. Um, mm. And I've been keeping up with like podcasts or webinars throughout COVID, um, yeah. with lo- the lockdown. So um, I was keeping up on there and then we have the dry summit as well coming up. Mm-hmm. So um, that's also uh, a source for me to get my recent information. So I'm just try, trying to find time to always keep up to date. Um, yeah, it's the most important thing. Um, and talking about uh, myopia control, would you please provide our listen, listeners with some tips on how to pitch the idea of adding a specialty service like myopia control into an established practice with the practice owner? Yeah, so you can tell the practice owner that adding a specialty clinic is a practice builder. It is so important now because just about every other um, optometry clinic does primary care and sells glasses. So you really want to differentiate yourself. And then from a practice management standpoint, it's going to add another source of revenue. And then you can also internally refer like a high myope or a myope that's a fast progressor uh, for a myopia consult. Um, You can also tell the practice owner that if the clinic doesn't keep up with the latest research and technology, they are at risk at losing these patients for doctors that do myopia control because word of mouth gets out within, within the, the parents, you know, like, oh, my, my child is doing myopia control. They're doing this. Um, and then they'll ask you, oh, my friend is doing this for their kid or their optometrist is doing this. Do you guys do this? 
So you really, you really need to tell the doctor that as well. And you can also tell the practice owner that you're, you're keen on managing these myopia patients because the practice owner may be too busy managing their own patients or myopia control isn't their cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's always good when you can add to a practice yeah. instead of just coming in and, you know, maintaining. It's always good when you can add. Yeah. Or okay. it's not good to subtract. Yeah. Don't yeah. subtract. Yeah. Don't want to be one of those. Yeah. Anyone listening? <laughs> were you, um, Diana, were you the one who um, started the conversation of adding myopia control to iLabs? So iLabs already had myopia control before I started, but um, Glen Abbey Vision Center in Oakville, they, they did my site, um, but they didn't have a myopia control a separate consult. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to be adding, uh, we're going to get a new instrument and I'll talk about that later to, to do more in-depth myopia control. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually going right into the next topic. So, yeah. um, you know, we were wondering what specific services w- do you offer for myopia control and how are you obtaining the right resources for the clinic? Yeah. So, um, at the practices I work in, I'll be able to provide ortho spectacle therapy, like um, the DIMS lens, uh, soft contact lens therapy, like my site and atropine therapy. Uh, we have an IOL master that measures axial length at iLabs and a topographer as well for ortho And then at Glen Abbey uh, Vision Center, we are going to get an instrument that, me- that measures those two things as well. Um, and that way we can do a proper myobia consult and then possibly provide ortho as a treatment option. So the service fees included are for initial consults, which are about 30 to 45 minutes, and then any follow, follow-ups within the year, uh, which is a six-month checkup, and then one or two checkups before the six months, depending on the treatment plan. And you want to make sure that you're not losing valuable chair time because you could be doing another exam during that time. Um, and then you should charge every time you do an axial length measurement because just like getting OCT disc, uh, to measure RNFL for glaucoma patients, it's important to charge appropriately to measure axial length because it can change your management plan to do combo therapy or to just change therapy in general. So, so once we always will do a partial exam with refraction and uh, axial length uh, measurement. Nice. Okay. So Diana, you kind of sort of just talked about this, but just to hear you, your thought process on this for myopia control, what advice do you have for choosing a lens company to work with, structuring the exams and follow-ups and marketing or at advertising for the service? Yeah. So before I speak, I don't have any financial disclosures, um, but for um, lens companies, the DIMS lens by Hoya is shown to have an efficacy of reducing uh, myopia by about 60%. And then the honeycomb etching, which is supposed to induce peripheral defocus, is really subtle and not noticeable at all, which is great for patients and parents because they're worried about that. But it's really, really subtle. And then there's also the Zeiss myovision lens. That's also on the market. But the efficacy is about 20 to 30% effective. Um, and then for structuring the exam, I do a very thorough case history. I ask if both parents are myopic or not, um, digital screen time and near near work time, ethnicity, because Asians uh, tend to be fast progressors. And in any myopic control lecture, there's a picture of an Asian kid. <laughs> 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 I 
right? It's, I thought it was an Asian kid in the photo. And then, <laughs> and then the staff measures actual length. We do fundus photos, topography, pupil size, fraxipine. Then we do dry autos, refraction, a mini BB workup. Mm -hmm. So we do leg of accommodation, phoria, mm -hmm. and ampl amplitude of accommodation because peripheral defocus method doesn't work if you have a patient with convergent excess. And then we also don't want to make an exophoric worse in contact lenses mm -hmm. versus glasses. So it's good to do that workup. And we, I cycle the patient. Um, and then I do a slit lamp exam and, and posterior seg. And then after cyclo, we do wet autos and just double check to make sure that um, there is no discrepancy between the dry refraction and uh, wet refraction. And then I discuss uh, between the best management for the child with the parents. So um, that's, that's my um, myopia control exam. And then for follow-ups, for ortho-K, we do one day morning, one week, one month, and that's for ensuring uh, contact lens compliance. And then we see them every six months. And again, at the six months, we do um, a refraction and an axial length measurement. And then for atropine, we follow up a week later just to see how the side effects are because patients can experience halos. And then ask the patient to bring the bottle because you don't mm -hmm. want patients to be on 1% atropine or yeah. you, know, you don't know what yeah. the pharmacist did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, six months after that. And then for a spectacle therapy like DIN's lens uh, or Zeiss, myovision, um, is a six week follow up after the glasses pickup. And then again, uh, every six months after that. And then subcontact lenses like MySight, it's uh, one week to ensure compliance. And then um, every six months after that. Mm -hmm. And then for marketing and advertising for the services um do a local webinar or a podcast like i'm doing right now <laughs> uh, do it for yeah do it for optometrists and patients so um you can do a webinar for patients in your own clinic you know email do an email blast and uh, let patients know that uh, you can provide the service and let patients know and parents of the patients know that to educate them about this and then leverage social media on the clinic website post myopia control content in the clinic uh, send letters or speak to pediatric ophthalmologists because you want to tell these ophthalmologists that we are trying to prevent these kids from getting in your chair from retinal mm -hmm. detachments, cataracts, and uh, myopic, uh, myopic maculopathy. So now you're going to get three referral sources from ophthalmologists, the OD community, and then from the patients as well. And then, of course, within your own clinic, if you're going to... Um, refer these patients off to do myopic control or the associate or the owner is going to refer to it as well. So a lot of different opportunities for you to market and advertise. You just have to put yourself yeah. out there. I had a question about um, educating the or the parents about this whole process because it is a lot for parents to yeah. kind of, it is very overwhelming. Yeah. So how do you exactly educate? Do you like give them pamphlets and like little resources or do you kind of just spill everything all at once and kind of go from there. Own, do you put your you own know. childhood picture on the pamphlet? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be like me. Don't be like me. No, no. <laughs> so, so I tell the, uh, the parents, you know, their, uh, their progression is a concern for me because a high eyeglass prescription being nearsighted means you have a longer eyeball length. And I think it's important to mention the eyeball length because all they think about is the numbers but it's really yeah. the eyeball length that's the that's the main thing right 
So um, tell them that, you know, you want to prevent um, them from progressing. You want the eyeball to, to be stable. You don't want it to grow because you're at risk for renal attachments, cataracts, and just name all these eye diseases so they understand that they're at risk and even give them facts and checks. Like if you're over a minus three, you're 20 times more risk for RD, right? And five chance, more chance for cataracts. Um, and then you can even give um, the, the parents their prescription and show them like, this is what your child sees. And, but, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, if it doesn't, if you don't treat it now, it could get like this and then put the other, more lenses over top to show them. Because right. sometimes the parents don't know because the kids also don't know because they're like, I can see perfectly. Yeah. And they see 2050 or something or 2060. <laughs> so it's all about the education. And then um, I never push patients or the parents. I'm like, let me know what you decide. Um, but I, I suggest you get a consult done and we can see what we can, we can do from there. Just you showing also- the parents is a really good idea too. I showed my brother what I see. <laughs> He's yeah. a minus one and I'm around a minus 10. So I showed oh, him what I see. He's like, how did you survive? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, glasses. Bad <laughs> myopia control didn't come on when you were younger. Right? Yeah. It's also important to tell um, parents that you won't be able to reduce it, the myopia. Just, uh, I mean, like stop it, just reduce it so that mm. it won't um, become the twice- twice as high and then you you should also give expectations to parents that we may have to change therapy halfway or in between so just set the expectations for these parents too i have a random question that has nothing to do with any of the questions we just asked but you are a 2020 new grad so how was taking boards and working and all of that stuff like i just realized that That was all postponed for you guys. So grad, no biggie. How are you and your friends like coping? Are you guys like, when are we getting paid? Like, what is this? Yeah. So in the middle of the pandemic, I was interning at iLabs and then Justin Trudeau was like, nope, we're shutting you guys down. So then um, I had to end clinic a little earlier. Mm -hmm. I still was helping out virtually like, I'm doing emergency calls and all that helping out the clinic in that sense. Um, And then our boards was pushed back from end of April until end of September. And then Mm -hmm. we just got a result this beginning of November. And that passed. Yay. Yes. I would be Uh, surprised if you said anything else. (laughs) I'm giving all my advice that just passed. (laughs) Can you imagine? You're just like, oh, I failed. But anyways. But anyways, <laughs> take my advice and all this. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of my classmates um, have been working under delegation. Okay. So, so that's what I've been doing as well. Okay. So I started working a little bit earlier around October. Like I was doing some tech work um, in the beginning of the summertime, but then I started working as OD in October and then I'm doing OD stuff now as well under delegation. Okay. And then um, once I'm licensed, then everything is undermining, but the, okay. um, the doctor just has to be there and patients are just aware. So yeah, it, yeah. it's okay. been, it's been fine. It's just, it just sucks because everyone was stressed out. Like when are we going to write the boards? They didn't really tell us when we were going to write yeah. it until like August or something. And then I don't, even, I don't know when I'm going to get licensed because even though we have our test results, the college still takes time. Right. right? And we're, like ever. Yeah. It takes forever. forever. So they, they said they're going to accelerate 
the licensing, but I'm not sure. I don't, I feel like I don't trust them. <laughs> like, I just don't want to set my expectations so high and be like, yes, I'll be yeah. licensed by the end of this month when it's going to be like December. So it's not, yeah. It's not yeah, at least you're still working. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it is. And how was yeah. COVID for you guys as optometrists? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, well, I guess Amrit, you, you had, you kept on, well, both yeah. of you guys actually kept on working because Alex, yeah. you were kind of running your practice for that time. Yeah. Because your dad was, was like, well, like oh, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was doing emergency care and then I had to go down to the office and make sure, you know, they didn't blow up or anything. So that was important. Yeah. <laughs> And then Amrit was working during her residency, but for me and Rav, we got laid off. So it was like, everything had to be um, planned differently financially. Like I was like, Oh, what? Like, what do I do now? And then we weren't sure when we were going to start again. Like we weren't sure if it was going to be like a month, a month and a half. So, you know, our finance episode when they really talk about, yeah, make sure you have an emergency fund. (laughs) Like three months, right? No have it. It's it's a good idea. It's a good idea. But I think that was just the financial part of it. It was just like, suddenly there was that change and you were like, Oh, okay. Now I have to budget and plan things a little bit differently, but got to get your Excel sheet up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um, But no, that's awesome that you passed your boards. Congratulations for that. We didn't even do a little celebratory dance it's not vodka it's water but we'll pretend yeah. i was gonna ask you i was like you know we can go grab some drinks too if you want yeah <laughs> at the hour yeah yeah well thank you guys for having me you know i really love this thing that you guys have the podcast and you guys brought this upon um the lockdown as well and you guys have really really great speakers on this all all from north america so i think it's amazing that you guys are able to f- find time to do this um, even in separate provinces and countries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a challenge. But yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Diana, for coming on. We were so excited to finally connect with you as well since... Oh, yeah. We always talked on Instagram, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the best part about podcasting. You know, our network is growing so much, you know, because we're meeting everyone over social media. And we connected with you initially with the uh, learning during quarantine um, the, the online webinars. So we're so happy to have met you and thank you so much for coming on. We know you're busy, especially with the dry eye summit coming. So hopefully for our listeners, um, we'll put information to register and how to get there online, um, in the episode so that uh, everyone knows where to go. And yeah, thank you so much again for coming on. It's so nice talking to you. Thanks you guys. Have a lovely night. Thank you to everyone for listening to Four Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned. Stay tuned.